0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gionta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is
1: Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs ready. baseball reference t-shirt just repping some stats you know what i'm saying it's not necessarily hall of fame it's not necessarily above average but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore
0: and welcome to above replacement radio we're talking baseball kind of whenever i'm your host christian over there on the other side of the screen is daniel kern how you doing daniel
1: chris i'm doing very very well today it's the start of september a new month pennant chase is on and uh, it's also a big day for us terminally online baseball nerds. Why? Because uh, the baseball savant front page has a fresh new look. Uh, Mike Petriello kind of teased this when he in it when he came on this pod with us a few weeks ago, uh, and now it's here, and it is beautiful.
0: Uh yes, it, it it is it is beautiful. There were some surprises. There were some things that I wanted that are in there, and it's really the, it's really just like. I keep saying it, and it keeps coming true. Like I said it to Petriello, was like, with Baseball Savant, you there, there's a there's a stat that you want, or there's a different feature in Baseball Savant that you want, and then two months later they deliver, and and it and it's shown. Not even, yeah. Like, not even. I, I didn't months. even ask. I didn't even ask publicly for a sweet spot percent, a sweet spot percentage percentile
1: rank, but I but we got it. We got yeah. it. Yeah. I actually do want to break down the the positives of, you know, having this now of these, you know, of the the new Savant front pages. First of all, this is one of the biggest things, but non-qualified players have pages now. Um, previously, when there was a non-qualifier um, that, uh, you know, if you look at the Savant page, it kind of just showed like their sprint speed, their, their outs above average, like very basic stuff that you don't have to qualify for. Now you get to see everything and like, they will tell you if they're unqualified and they won't give you an actual percentile, but they will show you where they rank compared to average, which is awesome. Um That's, that's a huge thing. I think a lot of people aren't going to realize how useful it's going to be for a lot of players. You don't have to wait for a guy to uh, be good, to see how good they are. You know, you can really see it up front. Uh, another thing that I think is really good is every, uh you know, every circle has the actual value next to it. So if you want to look at the guy's barrel percent and it's like, hey, he's 89th percentile, he's got a 13.8%. It adds a lot of context. It's great. Um yeah, it's and then there was also, you know, they added sweet spot percentages. I think they also just like added more context to these, which makes just Savant page screenshots a lot less misleading, which, you know, I think they were in the past. Um but overall, this is one of the best uh, additions or changes whatever you want to put it that they've made to the website probably in the time that it's been of public use.
0: Yeah, I definitely uh I definitely agree with that like they also added um yeah, the as you mentioned they added more context to things especially with like the fielding stuff. They added fielding run value. It's not just outs above average now, it's fielding run value. It's uh arm run value, range run value, uh showing those specifics uh to where you don't have to like like, not that it was that inconvenient, but you don't even have to go to, like, you don't even have to click off the, the batting section and go to the fielding section. You can just see it all in one dashboard, which is like, yeah, that's really, it's really cool for people like us, for sure.
1: Yeah. Also, like they added, you know, all of the catcher stuff that, that they've added in the last year with blocking and framing and pop time and, uh, you know, uh, catching above average. I believe it's like, uh, it's caught ceilings above average. that's what it is, but. Yeah, they've added a lot of catching things. Um, yeah, and then also all the run values. Um, there's batting run value, base running run value, and then fielding run value that all show at the top of the page, um, and it's you know it's good overall. And also it's like not only do you see that, but you see the things that go into it below. So it's like okay, base running run value. What's that? Okay, here's sprint speed right below. Uh, you know, and then what fielding? What's that? Here's range. Here's arm value. Here's arm strength.
0: Yeah. And then with with uh, pitchers, you see what, you know, how, where their fa- fastball run value ranks for their breaking mm-hmm. ball run value, off speed run value, where all that goes. So you can see kind of the archetype of a pitcher where we're like, yeah, Lance Lynn, he's, you know, or at least uh, Lance Lynn in his prime, like, you know, two years ago, his fastball run value was probably crazy high, but his breaking ball run value was probably very low because he's, you know, he relies pretty much exclusively on four seamers, cutters, and sinkers. Um whereas
1: mm-hmm.
0: someone like Lance McCullers in his prime, who throws a lot of breaking stuff, his that would be expressed too on the, you know, on the percentiles.
1: Yeah, no, this is this is an excellent it's a really excellent day for the baseball world, for the nerds like us. Um, because I think like this alone this you know this doesn't seem like a major change because a lot of it is the same it's still you know we're still looking at you know expected batting average percentiles and expected slugging and all that but it adds a lot more context and it's going to make people a lot smarter
0: yeah for sure for sure um yeah it's very exciting and by the way if you are watching the youtube edition and wondering why i'm looking off to the side uh just a little quick uh tangent here, my laptop screen is like not functioning, like its audio is functioning. Uh, Everything about it is functioning, except I can't see anything on the laptop. But if I connect it to a television, I can see what my laptop is seeing, but on a TV. But my laptop screen is completely blank. It's completely black. So I have to look at the television, which is off to the left a little bit. But it's a really interesting way to uh, record a podcast, conduct research. I have to do everything on my laptop. uh, On a TV temporarily. (laughs) Uh, Luckily, I don't really have crazy amount of important things. A a crazy amount of important things to to do on the laptop, except for the podcast. So yeah, that's that's what I'm doing. But that's that's why I'm looking off to the side here. Um, If you are watching the YouTube uh, edition of this of this episode, but yeah, baseball savant. Uh, added some very nice updates Uh, and then as far as news goes uh, you know I'm sure that a couple of different savant pages have been looked at recently just to uh, to see where they're where they're at Um, and those guys might be Lucas Giolito Matt Moore and Ronaldo Lopez who were all put on waivers by the Angels and picked up by the Guardians kind of what should we go into first like the fact that the angels put up you know a virtual fire sale for you know just just for salary relief yeah um or do we want to get into what the guardians did here
1: let's start with the guardians we'll get into the angels later but uh guardians and reds both picked up i think all of the all of the guys that the angels put on waivers minus um randall who cleared waivers for whatever reason yeah. Um, very odd that that happened because I think a lot of teams could have used his left handed uh, abilities or his abilities against left handers, rather. Um, but nonetheless, that is what happened. Uh, the Guardians picked up Lucas Giolito, they picked up Matt Moore, and they picked up Reynaldo Lopez. Uh, and then the Reds picked up Hunter Renfro, uh, and then they also picked up Harrison Bader from the Yankees, uh, you know, separate guy, but um, yeah. This is interesting for the Guardians. They are only five games out of the division race. Um, You know, I think of all of the teams in the waiver order, they were the first one that like it made any semblance of sense for them to pick them up. And they, you know, they took advantage of that.
0: Right. They are the only, um, they're the only uh, below 500 team that it would make sense to go out and um, funnily enough the guardians are like adding salary which is kind of funny but good yeah. for them uh, not worrying about you know not compromising their team's ability uh, to could compete um, just because of a, a few million dollars so good for them on that but yeah uh, it it really was like the only below 500 team that would that would make sense uh, as far as as far as their additions like you know giolito he's been struggling obviously but they needed some more depth um and i'm sure i'm sure a lot of teams needed more depth but the guardians were first on the waiver order um to uh to be able to go out and get him uh you know giolito's had a 719 era and a 699 or FIP in uh in his last eight starts however uh the guardians did just designate noah cinder for assignment uh, i know Xavion curry just had a had just had a rough outing too so i'm not sure if they're in like his they're he's in their rotation plans or they want to move him down a slot um but you know getting giolito is probably an upgrade over noah Syndergaard because giolito seems to be having mostly like a home run problem Syndergaard seemed to be having an everything problem he couldn't strike guys out uh he you know couldn't allow soft contact it just wasn't working out for him so it seems like lucas giolito was just a better option
1: yeah, for G Lito, I feel like we're going to be talking about this potential for a while because, you know, we, we saw him as a Cy Young candidate in 2020 and in parts of 2021, maybe even 19 as well. But uh, yeah, he's he since 2022, he's really started to have a big home run problem. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, would been the main cause of his downfall. And his strikeouts and walks are, aren't in good shape this year compared to previous years. But they're still, you know, without contacts at a fine rate. I mean, he's... You know he has nine point seven strikeouts per nine this year, three point three walks per nine. You know you cover up the name, and that's a pretty good. Uh, that's a pretty good rate to be at. But, you know we've seen a lot better from Giolito. But more importantly, one point eight home runs per nine allowed this year. Um, under no circumstances is that good. Um, yeah, under no right. circumstances are you really going to get much of anywhere with that. Uh, unless you're you know not walking anyone and not giving up any other hits which is you know you're asking a lot you're asking for a lot to go right there but um yeah i mean he really just needs to find a way to keep the ball in the yard he couldn't do that in la uh he allowed 2.8 home runs per nine in his six starts there which is you know obviously tremendously bad but uh cleveland will uh hopefully give him a better environment
0: yeah, you you just don't know exactly how it's going to go down. Like with with home run issues, sometimes you could say that it'll just naturally you know even out at some point. But with how long he's been allowing home runs, I mean, I know that that rate has you know rocketed up a little bit uh, this year. I'm trying to I'm trying to check out where his barrel rate is at since you know in his last. Or since he was acquired by the Angels, I think, uh is mm-hmm. when it started ballooning up, obviously, unfortunately for the Angels. But since August first, he has nine barrels against on um on seventy-nine batted balls, which is a rate of of like probably twelve percent or so. That is uh 11 so i don't know it you know I, I feel like i feel like it'll go down it's not a good barrel rate but it's not like shocking it's not like a 20 percent barrel rate where it seems like it's a crazy crazy problem so i think i think it's worth the risk considering or there is no risk that's the that's the easy part is there is no risk so it's worth just having them in the rotation and cinder guard out
1: yeah um it's going to be interesting if, you know, this move is going to make a difference for them because um, you know, Bieber is out this year, McKenzie has been out this year. They haven't really had, you know, I mean Tanner Bybee has been solid, but other than that, I think they're still looking on looking for a lot of pitchers to really step up uh for them. You know, they haven't really had a defined ace throughout the season, I would say. Um, other than Tanner Bybee. Uh, that's probably the closest you can you can the po- closest guy that you can point to um throughout the season but you know that's they weren't expecting that of him going into the season and he even has a 375th so um you know still not you know not what you want your best starter to be for Cleveland but um yeah they're gonna need Gilio to it's very weird because you know he lost a tremendous amount of value over the last month he was traded for a top 100 prospect going from the White Sox over to the Angels and now he's, you know, getting acquired for quite literally nothing uh, in terms of you know, other players to give up for Cleveland. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot of expectation placed on him, regardless,
0: um, yeah, absolutely. And I think part of it is part of it is out of Giolito's control in in terms of the value. I mean, obviously, like you know, having a seven era in his last eight starts is going to diminish his value. But also, uh, you know, at the trade deadline, starting pitching was at a premium. Every single player on the trade or on the trade market this year probably was overvalued. Um, if we're being honest, like it was a, it was definitely a seller's market, so that's why the Angels gave up what they gave up to to get Giolito. Meanwhile, now, yeah, like you know, six bad starts later, uh, he doesn't look as great, and I think it was like you know, the Angels are are looking really for. Salary relief, trying to get under the luxury tax. I don't know if they did. I don't really. I, I don't know if it really ends up mattering if they did. Um, who knows that it, it'll change their you know comp uh, compensation pick or whatever it is. Uh, if they if Otani leaves, but but yeah, I think uh one of the one of the more interesting acquisitions that maybe isn't getting talked about as much is uh Matt Moore going to the Guardians also. Uh, more. Shout out to you for uh, projecting his success in 2021 or, yep. or uh,
1: was it 2021? Well, who are we talking about here? Matt Moore. Uh, that was 2021. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, but yep. he's been successful since 2022. Yeah. It's I was a year
1: early on the Matt a Moore. Year early. I, I was, some, some would say I was a year early. Some would say I was like 10 years too late. <laughs> exactly. Because he, he was the number one prospect above Trout and Harper. Uh, going into going into 2012,
0: yeah, which is nuts. Um, but Moore, uh, has a 2.66 ERA this year. Out of 45 qualified left-handed relievers, he ranks tenth in ERA and 12th in strikeout-minus-walk rate. So he's he's uh striking out guys at an above-average rate, walking guys at a better-than-average rate as well. Um, and also, uh, what's notable and why this helps the guardians is they only really had one other left handed reliever in the bullpen with Sam Henges. So I think, I think this might end up being more, this might end up being a better acquisition than Lucas Giolito.
1: Yeah, no, I think, I think Giolito might be the worst player out of those three right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Between uh, the three
1: that they got, this is a complete side note. I've never seen this before in all of my years of, surfing baseball reference from the 1800s to the to like pre-integration to the live ball era and any era of baseball but if you go on the cleveland like front page like the 2023 guardians front page they have cam gallagher listed as like the team's primary catcher you know how like every team it's like they'll show the guys that played each position like the most games or whatever and then they'll show like all everyone else he has an ops plus of one wow and that's the that's the main guy that they put in the Cleveland catching position which doesn't even make sense because he and Bo Naylor have played the same number of games and Naylor has 30 more plate appearances
0: yeah and you you wouldn't expect that for 2023 Guardians you'd expect that for like 1933 Browns yeah 18 that's why I said I don't think I've ever seen that
1: before like did they? how many like did the eighteen eighty nine or what was it eighteen ninety nine Cleveland Spiders have have a guy St. like Blair. that low I, in OPS plus? I can't
0: imagine. I think I think nineteen thirty-three Jim Levy was still at like a thirty OPS plus. Yeah.
1: Like he was not that bad. Wasn't good, but yeah, it wasn't one. Yeah, no, the of the of anyone who appeared in a game, uh not as a pitcher for the for the 1889 cleveland spiders the team that famously went 20 and 134 the lowest ops plus to be fair it's probably a lot more difficult to get a one ops plus in 1889 than it is now but regardless the lowest one that i'm seeing is 36 and it's a guy with nine plate appearances that went one for eight with a walk
0: yeah the 1899 cleveland spiders weren't even that bad i guess
1: that's crazy um, I don't like. I still don't even really. I mean, maybe like Bo Naylor has just played a bunch of games at DH, and they still have this catcher. Like I don't know. I why do they put Cam Gallagher there? Because he has played more games than Mike Zanino so I get that one.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, no.
1: No. Cam Gallagher or uh, Bo Naylor has played forty-eight games of catcher. The same number. That. Yeah, the Bo Naylor should be the primary catcher listed.
0: Yeah, it's. I think it's all computer programming. Yeah. Um. So who knows? Who knows with that? Anyway,
1: I I I just appreciate this moment because I'm never gonna see something like this again.
0: Yeah. It, soak it in. It's it's happening. This is, it's like the super blue moon.
1: It's yeah. Like, yeah.
0: You got to soak this one in. Um. Yeah. So the Guardians get those three players. The Reds get Hunter Renfro and Harrison vader Uh. What were what were your thoughts on on these additions?
1: uh poor hunter renfro first of all the guy just can't find a home
0: yeah no he can't it's really unfortunate
1: uh it it, i mean we'll say from just from a red sox fan perspective it it makes me feel a lot better about like people being angry that they let him go when nobody has wanted him for more than a year true other than the padres but they also developed him so it makes sense they did move on from him after a year but still
0: Right, exactly. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate for Renfro. However, I think you know, it, it might he might uh he might benefit a little bit. Um, I mean, any yeah. any any hitter can benefit from uh playing in at nice. Great American Ballpark, Sorry, but, but if uh, you're still, just, it's
1: especially known for your power.
0: Yeah, so so specifically with Renfro, he has nineteen home runs this year. Uh, Statcast has the great feature where you can. You know, baseball spot has a great feature where you can see if they played every single game at this certain ballpark. Uh, this is how many home runs they would have hit based on ballpark dimensions. And Hunter Enfro would have hit uh, 25 home runs if he played all his games at Great American Ballpark, which, you know, obviously the Reds don't play every game at Great American Ballpark. But uh, it, it shows you that he is probably destined for more success uh, with the Reds, or at least at home with the Reds. Because, um, yeah, he would have six more home runs if he played every single game at Great American Ballpark. Um, and he also pulls uh, 48.7 percent of his batted balls, uh, at least this year, which is an extreme amount. Um, and that's kind of what you want to be doing. He It's 325 to left field at Great American. Uh, so I think, you know, he might be helped out. I think there were some things, you know, especially at with the Angels, you know, at, at uh, Angel Stadium, I think they have a pretty deep left field albeit a short wall but a deep left field and there might have been some fly balls that just hung up and didn't go far enough at angel stadium that are probably going to sneak out at a great american so i guess there there is that
1: yeah um another thing i think is that hunter renfro we'll probably get more time as a DH in Cincinnati than he did in LA. Um, He's below, he was below replacement level this year with the angels. At least he was on baseball reference and I'm sure he was on fan graphs as well, but you know, we couldn't really play a lot of DH in it because that that was kind of reserved for Shohei Otani. And, you know, it kind of goes without saying that if he's DHing, no one else is because they need to have him there as much as possible in the lineup. Um, And I still think he's still going to play a little more outfield than DHing overall in Cincinnati, but you know, his fielding value isn't good. I mean, to to put it quite simply, you know, I think we saw it perfectly the year that he was in Boston. He has a great arm. You know, he can he can throw a lot of guys out, but you know, he, he's not going to make a lot of plays that, you know, a lot of better infielders would make. Side note, he actually has 1.2 F war, but minus 0.1 B war. Um, uh, yeah yeah, pretty interesting. interesting. I'll have to look into that one, but yeah, he he's very has he very big discrepancies on both websites this year. Yeah,
0: interesting. Maybe um,
1: maybe it was wins above average that I was looking at. Nope, it was wins above replacement.
0: But but Daniel, um, did you see when Hunter Renfro on opening night he he went back and he took that bad route and he but he went back and he caught it like with his back. I term. do remember that. Yeah. But so how, how couldn't he be a bad? How can he be a bad defense if that's the case? If he did that,
1: yeah, I I don't know. It just, I think these numbers are lying. I think these numbers must be lying. Yeah, I mean, arm value is 68th percentile, arm strength, 92nd percentile. uh, And then his OAA is 18th percentile, and his fielding run value overall is in the 30th. So, um, yeah, I mean, Hunter Renfro, he doesn't play the best defense in the outfield, um, to put it quite simply. But right. he can throw guys
0: out. He can throw guys out, especially at GABP. And you, you know, know it,
1: it would be, and not only that, but you know, and why would you play him in the outfield when the other guy that the the Reds just picked up off off the waivers was Harrison Bader?
0: Yeah, that is that is true. That is true. Um, I mean, yeah, their projected outfield would be, uh, what Bader in center. Um, would they have Will Benson out there? I've I've they have Will Benson, TJ
1: Friedel out there. Um, they have yeah. Uh, well it's currently Fangrafts as Nick Martini as their right fielder.
0: Um there's also Stuart Fairchild if they want to put him in if they want to put him out there. Um Nick Senzel. Yeah. I'm assuming that Renfro is is like you know, is going to get more playing time than like Stuart Fairchild was because I I noticed that he had a decent amount of plate appearances. uh, Yeah, decent amount of plate appearances. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I imagine Renfro is getting is, you know, he's going to be an everyday player. It just is a matter of whether it's going to be at DH or probably right field, I'd imagine. Side
1: note, uh, Bader and uh, Renfro are actually both in the same percentile for arm strength. So, you know, if you're picking between the two, one of them goes to the outfield, one DH is like Renfro doesn't even really have the arm strength over Bader because they're pretty similar.
0: Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah, you obviously go with the gold glove there. With, yeah, Harrison I mean, Bader. I think it's a
1: solid move for the Reds offensively. Um, you know, yeah, as long as you can have Renfro and DH, I think he's going to have more just inherent value in the fact that he's not in the field.
0: Yeah, and I, I like this for the Reds. I, I think the Reds have played things pretty nicely as it stands right now. I think they're a game and a half out of the um out of the playoffs or something like that. Um but right. I think they've played it nicely because, you know, the at the deadline, I think there was a lot of pressure on certain teams who may have been arriving early um to make moves and maybe sacrifice their farm system a little bit. Reds didn't do that uh like many teams did not do like the red sox giants uh what have yous um you know they didn't go out and get and get pieces but the reds uh took a good opportunity to get some guys for free like these guys cost nothing uh only a tiny bit of salary so good on them for for adding to this and you know adding to what could be a postseason run you know if they get there
1: yeah absolutely I yeah um yeah i don't know like what they did. no
0: no prospect capital was was cost here. Not even your number thirty prospect. Uh, you know it 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 works out. It works out for the Reds.
1: Yeah. Um. So now onto the Angels, who are you know on the receiving or on the giving end, I guess, of all of this. Um. They are below the luxury tax. Pretty cool.
0: Yeah, they're. They, uh, I think they're... I think
1: they got like a million dollars under right now.
0: Yeah. There we go. There we go. Um, so that compensation pick is, is gonna be a little lower for yep. Shohei Otani potentially if they don't get yeah. him. Yeah. Um
1: hey, they get the 32nd pick, not the 36th pick.
0: Yeah, I'm 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 curious to see what your what your thoughts are here as as like the, the noted Angels optimist.
1: Yeah, I mean I still I'm gonna be completely honest. I know that it looks obviously their deadline looks like Oh, it not even looks like their deadline is one of the worst that any team has had in recent memory. Like I can't think of a worse deadline uh, in terms of overall results that we have seen from a team really ever um, because yeah, you'll have teams that rebuild and don't really end up getting anything of value in return. But the angels uh, had the option to get like probably the largest haul for a rental that the game has ever seen or, you know, go for it one last time, and they obviously decided to go for it one last time, and yeah, maybe the trading Edgar Caro for uh for Lucas Gigolito and Ronaldo Lopez was too much. It absolutely was, even at the time it absolutely was, but at that point, you know, it's, hey, they have Ohapi as the longtime catcher ideally, you know, they don't need to worry about a second good catching prospect right now, um. And to be completely honest, I still appreciate that they went for it. You know, I mean, when you when you but when you look at it overall, let's be honest. Maybe Lucas Giolito wasn't the guy that he was in twenty and twenty one, and maybe they paid. For, you know, maybe in terms of prospect value, they they traded for what appeared to be you know twenty 2020 twenty to twenty one Lucas Giolito, while actually trading for twenty twenty three guy. But I don't think anyone expected him to be that bad, right? I mean, if if you know, I thought I was thinking worst case scenario, he might have like. A high fours, low five ZRA. And in the best case scenario, he has like a low three ZRA. Maybe he has like a CC Sabathia run and not minus the innings. Ronaldo um, Lopez looked like a good addition because the team desperately needed bullpen help. And he was, he kind of became the most valuable member of that bullpen uh, at the trade. Uh, and then, you know, Renfro, or not Renfro, he was a midseason acquisition, you know, Crone Krone, uh, Mustakis. You know, I wasn't expecting them to be like, you know, the world beating acquisitions, but they were all pretty just terrible for the Angels. When you look into the numbers, um, Mike Moustakis had a 6- 677 OPS or has a 677 OPS with them right now. Uh, Randall Grichik had a 50 OPS plus. Eduardo Escobar had a 57 OPS plus. Um Look, you know, what else who else was, was acquired at that deadline? Uh CJ Crone is on the IL, but before he did that, he had a 54 OPS plus. But like nobody could have predicted it would be this bad for all of these guys. Um and to be completely honest, I think it's I think the player that sh- the, the person that should least be blamed is Perry Manassian. You know, I've I've kind of been a Perry defender since day one. I still believe that he's a very good GM. Uh, but, you know, Artie Moreno holds him back. I think Artie pushed I think Artie pushed him to make these moves when maybe Perry would have seen the more correct situation as trading Shohei Otani. And ultimately, I think the players failed more than anything. And I think that's been a lot of the theme for, you know, this entire time, you know, going back to Anthony Rendon when he's signed here. You know, yes, that contract hasn't worked out, and maybe people could have, could have projected it couldn't have worked out, but none of us predicted it would be this bad. Nobody could have seriously thought he's going to play 50 games a year and have like a below average OPS plus every single year. No one could have looked at, uh, you know, all of the trade acquisitions and said, maybe they're bad with like a 90 OPS plus, but not a 50, right? Across the board, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s in the OPS plus category um the pitching just hasn't developed the this year the way that it should have tyler anderson is a perfect example they brought him in on a contract that chris you and i thought was extremely team friendly uh and he has a 558 era this year his walks are up which was like the entire reason he was good last year his home runs are way up uh patrick sandoval has been all right but still not what we hoped he would be reed denverth has a five era this year uh you know it's it's the player's other than trout notani that have failed and it's Artie moreno that has failed um and i still i still like that they went for it um and it just didn't work out
0: um right right i i definitely agree that it's not really on perry manassian the gm because every everything everything about the direction of this falls like like the oh it was the it was the actions of the owners, the opinions and the desires of the owner, uh, Ari Moreno, to to, uh, you know, buy the deadline and then, you know, release all, all these guys and put yeah. put all these guys on waivers to get out under the luxury tax. Because, you know, Manassian doesn't care about the luxury tax or GMs generally don't really care about the luxury tax. It's the owner because they're paying, mm-hmm. you know, the extra and whatnot. Um, but it was Moreno going on record saying he didn't want to be the Uh, owner to trade Shohei Otani. That was not Perry Manassian. I'm sure Perry Manassian, if he was was an owner or you know had full control, would have had his own, um, his own opinions. And you know, he, in the case of buying, like, yeah, he kind of had to get a a high profile guy like Lucas Giolito and also you know the supplemental pieces like Lopez Grichick and CJ Krohn. So, yeah, I can't really put too much blame on the GM. But yeah, the owner, uh, in in the decision to into the decision to buy, I I said it was an extreme risk, um, at the time at the time I didn't slam it completely, um, but yeah, it's it's looking really bad right now, and it, in my opinion, it, it looked bad at the time not to trade Otani uh, the the day they tr- they traded for. Lucas Giolito their playoff odds were 16.7% their odds to make the playoffs were basically one out of 6 uh and they were four games out of the um they were four games out of the playoffs at that point so yeah trading off potential future pieces for a what I said was an overpriced starter what ended up being an overpriced starter um it it didn't work out and but yeah it's it's a lot on the players for sure like the fact that they're what 11 games out of the playoffs right now, like that was never supposed to happen. That's not on, that's not really on, that's not even on ownership that they're 11 games out of the playoffs right now. They, they performed absolutely horribly, but, uh,
1: they have the worst record in the AL in August, right?
0: Um,
1: yeah, I think they have the worst record in the
0: AL since the trade deadline and the, the Mariners who sold have the best record. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's, it's like, I, and, you know that's a side tangent i don't want to hear about the psychology of a clubhouse and how they react to certain headlines yeah, right. because this this trade deadline puts an end to that conversation in my opinion there should but, never
1: have been a start to that conversation
0: yeah exactly exactly but but yeah as far as as far as the decision like yeah it's it's kind of a blown opportunity to be honest for uh arty moreno to potentially like because they're going into rebuild mode after this i have to imagine you yeah. can't like there's there's just it's it's a it's kind of barren you know
1: like like... at the all-star break maybe there was some hope that like shohei could have been re-signing with the angels if they you know if they found a way to at least even get close to the playoffs and like you know with all the injuries and underperformers this year it's like hey we're this close all that went out the window in august like he is not coming back um especially after the ucl injury and uh, you know everyone come out coming out and saying like yeah he was the one that declined to do the imaging on his arm and maybe he did maybe that's true but he's gonna look at that and be like all right you guys are throwing me under the bus see ya
0: right right yeah and this isn't this isn't a winning team this isn't like you know Trout is not the same right now uh doesn't hold the same value isn't gonna win you as many games as he did uh you know in 2019 and and before that. Um, So yeah, like this, it looks like you know not trading Otani at the deadline, uh, especially looks like a blown opportunity now. But I also thought it was kind of a blown opportunity at the time uh, because yeah, like I I thought you know them making the playoffs was unlikely. If the odds, the playoff odds showed it was unlikely. It was a one out of six chance they were going to make the playoffs. And at the end of August, uh, it's definitely proven that you know it, it wasn't going to happen. Like you're it. Or it wasn't inevitable that it wasn't going to happen, but based on team performance, uh yeah, it's not going to happen. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. I'm I'm wondering, I'm wondering what this offseason looks like for the Angels. They can't really trade anyone away. They're they might just lose Otani yeah. and then just be battling the A's for last place.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's exactly what it's going to be. Yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, if you're going to trade anyone, they, yeah there are some small pieces they can trade, but you know, nothing nothing of major value um yeah you can't trade Shohei um
0: yeah yeah and I I think if they ended up trading Shohei Shohei at the deadline um obviously that that idea seems um way better now than it did you know at the all-star break and when it was being discussed
1: but but also like yeah if they if they didn't trade Shohei we're going to be talking about like, man, they were three and a half games out. What if they, what if they did it?
0: Um, Yeah. I,
1: I like we know. are going it to, just... like, we are going to have that hindsight conversation unless of course they magically did it without Shohei.
0: True. Which... True, that is the case. But, but like, you know, if they, if they ended up trading Shohei, they could have made this rebuild a little faster by getting some pieces that would be, be coming up in the next couple of years and maybe they could make something out of that um, and rely on, you know, less ownership and GM to build up the system. But, uh, but now it's, it's going to be a slower process. Um, that's for sure. And, and yeah, it's this, this is the worst case scenario for the angels. Uh, when you go back, playoffs, No Otani.
1: yeah. When you go back a year, you know, there was that conversation where Artie Moreno was, was going to sell the angels and then he changed his mind before the season. That was honestly that was when I when I think a lot of people knew, like, okay, this is this is bad. This is really, really bad if they don't make it this year. Because I think I mean Artie Moreno is of the big market owners, I think he's comfortably the worst one. I mean, I don't think that's I don't think that's even a competition, right? When you think of all the bad owners in Major League Baseball, you think of you think of the Guardians, you think of the Pirates, you think of the Reds, you think of the Rockies, you think of the Rays, uh, you think of, you know, several teams that are small market, teams that you don't expect a lot out of year in and year out. The Angels with a you know a budget that is nearing the luxury tax, Arnie Moreno is the worst of those owners. You know, you look at the teams that aren't that are usually near the luxury tax. It's, you know, the Red Sox, the Yankees um there's, you know, the Dodgers, obviously, right. The Braves, like Mets, the Mets. Yeah. And I know a lot of people don't like, you know, John Henry or Hal Steinbrenner, but those aren't bottom 10 owners in baseball. Right. I mean, I, I I'm a Red Sox fan and I'd much rather have John Henry than, you know, John Angelos or, you know, the Dolan family or Dick Monfort. Or Stuart Sternberg. Exactly, yeah. But yeah. Artie Marino, I think, is a bottom ten owner in baseball, uh, with a big budget, which is very hard to do.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is it is very hard to do. Um, yeah, just because it it's a lot a lot of it falls on him and just in general, you can't have but when you're when you have a a high budget, I don't know how many how problems can still fall on you, the owner but it's still, it still happens to be the case. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any, anything more on these, uh, on these waiver claims?
1: No, I think that was kind of it.
0: All right. Well, um, so yeah, that's, that's the, uh, end of the angels as we know it at the, at the moment, um, we'll see how their off season goes. Uh, you know, they, they tried, they went for it, but it did not, did not end up working out. Um, all right. So now, uh we gotta we, there's there's been a topic of conversation for the past couple weeks um that has been you know it's been talked about a lot of different you know by a lot of different people it's it's a hot topic because of you know there's a lot of different angles to look at this race but uh talking about the NL MVP race, Mookie Betts has been on the best like 50 game stretch of his life uh and it just keeps growing and and you just like every game he's hitting a home run or getting like three hits or more it's pretty unbelievable what he's been doing uh Ronald Acuña Jr we talked about you know it was having an amazing season and continues to have an amazing season he's just not flying as high right now as Mookie Betts uh what are your thoughts on the National League MVP race right now
1: yeah, I mean, I think it's been the most fun MVP race between two individuals that we've had since 2019, which was obviously the the Cody Bellinger versus Christian Yelich, uh, an MVP race. And yeah, Mookie versus Acuna, I think there's both, there's very good reason for both of them to win. Uh, at this very moment, as we're recording on September 1st, I think Mookie Betts has the edge, um, but Acuna, you know, he just became the first player in Major League Baseball history. Uh, to to put up a 30-60 season with 30 home runs and 60 stolen bases um, I know a lot of people love to point to the to the new to the bigger bases and the pickoff rule is like the only reason why he did it but I'd say let's just enjoy the fact that it happened uh, but Mookie Betts has been on an otherworldly tear probably better than and better than any tear that he ever went on with the Red Sox from June 28th until august 31st which was yesterday he hit 411 with a 500 obp a 797 slugging and and an ops near 1300 for a 52 game stretch that is near impossible um for that to happen to, to say the very least but uh yeah he's been absolutely ridiculous um he hit two home runs last night acuna hit his one to uh you know break the 30 home run mark for himself um And yeah, I think a lot of this MVP race is going to come down to the voters, obviously. I mean, I think it's very subjectively who's voting, what they believe in. I know that sounds very basic, but, you know, there might be a lot of voters that see value in simply the fact that, you know, Acuna set his own club. Uh regardless of if Mookie has better numbers, and there's gonna be people that see that Mookie might have better numbers. So uh it's gonna be a very exciting race. I think Mookie does have the edge right now, but it's not it's very much not a done deal.
0: Uh yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Um yeah, for for this race, I I'm prepared for a lot of like like I agree with whatever person they're picking, but their take on it is bad like i saw that with uh with the judge otani uh with the judge and otani uh debate last year for american league mvp like i just saw arguments for both sides that were horrible even though i was on like one side of the spectrum with with thinking judge was more valuable Mm -hmm. but they were referencing like team record and stuff and i was like oh my god like just look at just it's recommend.
1: funny it's funny team records on both sides because it's like well look how bad the yankees would be without judge and then alternatively we'll look how bad the angels are with shohei otani which yeah. is very t- at least we don't have to deal with that with this one because both teams are very good and also there are other good players on both teams exactly Like the the, the third and fourth candidates for uh for the mvp are probably both dodgers and braves players
0: right with uh Freeman and, Olson. freeman and olsen matt Olson, yeah which is kind of funny considering that yep. Olson was was a freeman's replacement yeah. um but yeah like so it's it's a it's a pretty nuanced argument when you look at the statistics um you know looking at it uh mookie betts has a 177 weighted runs created plus ronald acuna jr is at 167 uh mookie betts 7.8 f4 ronald Acuna jr 6.7 um i don't think that they are like based on just my evaluation of how i evaluate players i i think that 1.1 win above replacement difference is like misleading to me um and i think a lot of that has to do with the base running metrics uh but despite ronald Acuna jr having 52 more stolen bases uh than mookie Betts this year he's only worth three more base running runs than mookie bets this year. Um and there are a lot of things that go into bsr that i think people don't think about. Um part of it is being thrown out on the bases. Part of it is caught stealings, part of it is not grinding into double plays. Uh part of it is extra bases taken, so going first to third on a single, uh second to home on a single, uh first to home on a double. All that stuff. Um so there's there's more, there's a lot, obviously, you know, if you're a baseball fan, you know, there's a lot more components to base running than uh, stolen bases. But with the gap of stolen bases, I think there's a, there should be a bigger gap in base running runs, uh, to break down the base running differences. Uh, I, sh- I believe I have their, uh, both their individual numbers pulled up by now. Um, or, yeah, I lost Mookie Betts's, but I think mm-hmm. I remember the numbers, but Ronald Acuna Jr. obviously 62 stolen bases versus Mookie Betts is 10, uh, 11 caught stealings versus uh, Mookie Betts is three. So Ronald Acuna Jr. also has a higher stolen base success rate uh, despite all the more attempts that he has. Uh, But Ronald Acuna Jr. is grounded into 12 double plays. Mookie Betts has grounded into five double plays. Um, Ronald Acuna Jr. Has uh has been thrown out on the bases eight times. Mookie Betts has been thrown out on the bases four times. Uh and but also Ronald Acuna Jr. has a fifty four percent extra base taken rate, uh while Mookie Betts is at forty five percent. So Ronald Acuna Jr. also takes more bases on uh on you know base hits or doubles and all that and scores scores from home more scores from first more on a on a double and scores from second more on a single. And Acuna also has 52, 52 more stolen bases. So I think I think wins above replacement is a little bit misleading considering what the base running metrics show. And I'm I'm probably missing something on the base running metrics, but just based off of all those things, I still think the the that Acuna's base running value is not being properly evaluated by by the numbers
1: you think that he should be lower
0: no i think acuna's should be higher i think bets is i think the gap should be higher um okay because
1: it's it's 5.6 to 2.6 from what i'm seeing right and
0: i think Acuna's more like five to eight run like his his run his base running value should be like five to eight more runs as opposed to just three more runs. I think I think that gap should be higher.
1: Gotcha. I mean, if we're talking about the, the difference in F4 between Betts and Acuna, you know, the real difference maker is defense. Uh, Mookie, has, uh, Mookie has him beat pretty solidly on defense, and it shows it on Statcast. cast. It shows it on fan graphs pretty much everywhere you look. Uh, bets has the advantage. Acuna has negative seven outs above average this year. Mookie has negative one. Uh, Mookie has 43rd percentile fielding value. Racun is 23rd percentile. Um, so I mean, I think bets is just like being more consistent with the plays, may have taken better routes. Uh, and that's that's a large part of the reason why, um, he's above him in in defense.
0: Yeah, yeah, but bets has definitely been the better defender but it's also not the case of, you know, Gold Glover versus, you know, like a Schwarber no. guy. That's for sure. Um, not that. Moogie's
1: movies defense has been like around league average. Uh, and yeah.
0: Yeah. Acuna's is, is like, as you mentioned, 23rd percentile. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's closer than the winds of a replacement would indicate. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Betts has the advantage in defense. He's the advantage in hitting. He's been hitting better. Uh, his, you know, his weighted runs created plus is 10 points higher. Um, but Acuna has some great base running. And if I like, it would be hard for me to break it down right now. Um, I don't know. I I think I'd just go Betts now just based on the momentum and how he's been able to like him and Freeman have basically taken the NL West, uh, Mm on their own like that seems like the case um but acuna was kind of doing that at the beginning of the year with the nl east and and doing that but but yeah i think it's razor close right now and i think there's there's that's a lot of the reason people are debating this uh here's what i will say is uh this goes back to a thing i was saying at the all-star break with like the louise rise hitting 400 thing like the potential of that something can be you know, a guy can do a a thing that no one else is doing, but still not be the most valuable. Um so i I don't want to yeah, I don't want him being the only guy to get this, you know, certain marker, a thirty sixty season to be the reason he gets MVP because, like, yeah, like the Nolan Ryan had the strikeout record single season strikeout record, he didn't win Cy Young because he was not the best pitcher. And, you know, Ricky Henderson got the stolen base record in 1982. He did not win MVP because he was not the most valuable player. He was not the best player. Also, there's like, there's two 2080 seasons in baseball history. They both happened in 1986. They were Ricky Henderson and Eric Davis. Davis finished 12th in MVP. Henderson did not get MVP votes. Like, they made their own clubs, but they did not, like, because the game adjusted like there were 80 80 stolen base seasons were more common at that time at the time like this is a newer thing and it's really like it's really cool that Acuna did this but it doesn't mean he's most valuable but I'm also considering him heavily because of his like 992 OPS
1: yeah and also just the fact that stolen bases are up I think are going to make it a lot less cool that Acuna stole 60 bases uh because I mean he was not I mean he does lead the majors in stolen bases I believe but you know stolen bases are a lot more common now that's just that's just what it is
0: right and and we'll probably yeah. see uh a, a, i don't think we'll see another 30 60 season this year but it'll probably happen next year or two years from now yeah. um with the rule changes and all that um and yeah i don't think it, i don't think a single i don't know if a single for a guy who got a 40 40 season has won an mvp either
1: um yeah no i don't think they have like a, Kinseco didn't win one alfonso soriano didn't one didn't win it i don't think a rod won it in that year
0: and bonds uh, didn't win it that year and
1: bonds didn't win it well yeah i mean bond should have won like 11 mvps he sh- he
0: should have yeah he should have won it that year but he didn't um, <sighs> there
1: are so many years where he should have won it but he didn't it's not even funny the biggest one was 1991
0: that's true yeah the
1: terry pendleton year
0: yep oh, never forget um but yeah uh
1: yeah, that's that's my
0: tangent with Acuna is like, just because he did something that no one else has done before doesn't mean he's also the most valuable because, um, yeah, home runs and st- stolen bases, they're valuable stats, but they're not the most valuable. Yeah. And Bets has a higher OPS by like 40 points. And he also has better defense. So that's why people are arguing for bets. If you were if you were wondering that, Um just by the but way, I think Barry it's really bombs, close
1: uh... Barry Bonds led the National League in B War 11 times and he won only seven MVPs.
0: Yeah. 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 It, could, it should
1: have been more than that.
0: Yeah. We did the history episode and I was, I think we were openly mocking the MVP voting like in the, when, when, when voters got like voter fatigue in like the mid 90s and he was like, he was doing amazing in like 95 and 96, 97, yep. and not getting any recognition for it. Yep. I think he had, he had more war than both McGuire and Sosa in, in 98.
1: Oh, he absolutely did. He led the league that year and finished eighth in the MVP voting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they didn't really consider defensive value at the, at the time. Um, no. Yeah. Any, any more thoughts on the, uh, on the MVP voting?
1: On the MVP voting? Um, yeah i mean it's gonna be a fun race like i said i think mookie i think mookie has it right now um but yeah i mean obviously this still a month ago and i think this could change on any any given day really
0: yeah i I believe it can also shout out to freddie freeman he's been he's yeah he's he's very much in the race um freddie
1: freeman's like the in any other year guy which we love to say every single year that's true but i think there's like three like those three are
0: all on pace for like eight wins above replacement which i don't know like the last time that's happened um I'll have the check but uh but yeah that's it's pretty crazy to have three guys that might have eight wins above replacement but also freeman by the way i looked at his base running stats they're pretty crazy he's 17 for 18 on stolen bases and he's only been thrown out on the bases once um wow. this year so he's been that's why his bsr is almost as high as Acuna's. Which is uh crazy to think. Very about. fun. Very fun. Um, all right. Well, that shall do it for the topics. So now we will get into uh the part that we've most prepared for uh with our players to highlight, starting with the good. It is time for our uh Friday. Friday, September first, twenty twenty three edition of How About That? He's
1: striking out less, walking more, and he's also making better contact. Turning into a strikeout machine just out of nowhere. He's been excellent all around this year.
0: He is getting a...
1: HOW ABOUT THAT! So for my how about that, uh, I do have a content warning here, small sample size. I know, I'm doing it. But I need to talk about David Schneider from the Toronto Blue Jays because... Oh my goodness, has he been crushing the baseball? Uh, he has played 14 career games, and in those 14 career games, he is slashing 426, 526, 894 for a 1420 OPS and a 280 weighted runs created plus. Uh, among the 391 hitters to have at least 20 plate appearances since his debut, Davis Schneider ranks fifth in batting average, second in OBP, and he leads in slugging percentage, OPS, and weighted runs created plus. Uh, and that is in 57 played appearances, so that's not a cherry picked list of 391. Uh, so far in his major league career, do you want to guess his ground ball rate, Chris?
0: Um, well, it's got to be very low like
1: 25%. It is 18.8% uh, wow. in the 20 in the 14 games that he's played. That is the lowest. Among the 322 qualified hitters with at least 25 batted balls since the day he debuted, uh, additionally he has a 28% fly ball rate with a 99 mile per hour average exit velocity on fly balls, and his 37.5% line drive rate ranks the seventh highest. Uh, 56.3% of his balls, of his batted balls, have been pulled. Uh, have been pulled in general. Just 56% of his fly ball, have, of his batted balls, have been pulled. Excuse me. That ranks the 13th highest. It's the 13th highest rate of batted balls that were pulled. And on those pulled batted balls, he is hitting 722 and slugging 1889. That average ranks second highest and that average ranks first. And additionally, 40.6% of his batted balls have been pulled fly balls and line drives. 40% of his batted balls. That is the highest rate in the majors. Uh, He has 13 such batted balls and he is 13-for-13 with a 26-15 slogging percentage. And lastly, he has a sweet spot rate of 56.3 in his Major League career. That is the highest in the majors, once again, among the 322 hitters with at least 25 batted balls. So Davis Schneider has come up and made an immediate difference for for the Blue Jays, a team that has just been needing to take off, and Davis Schneider has very surprisingly been leading that charge.
0: Yeah, Davis Schneider. about that um yeah it, yeah he uh, he yeah he debuted against the red sox i'm pretty sure he hit a home run uh in his first game yep uh and yeah he's just been firing on all cylinders just the the antidote the blue jays needed i for that they didn't know they needed i guess yeah um shout out to davis schneider um my how about that is a victory lap Mm. um i'm looking at we haven't done
1: one of those in a while either of us
0: um yeah right right exactly um mine is a victory lap mine is my uh 2023 twins player to watch uh i'm talking about max kepler um in his last 22 games and by the way max kepler he kind of developed a higher profile back in like 2018 2019 he was doing well he had 36 home runs in
1: 20 in 2019 to aaron judge
0: Yeah, he was was compared to Aaron Judge uh, unjustifiably, but he was he he did have that one graphic that was shown. But uh, as far as Kepler goes, he's kind of struggled since uh, the juice balls went away after 2019. But he is uh, he's coming right back. I think the shift helped, you know, the lack of shifts is helping him out a little bit. But in his last 22 games, Max Kepler is hitting 329 with a 1063 OPS out of 169 qualifiers in this span, his slugging OPS and weighted runs created plus all rank 10th out of 173 hitters with 300 plus pitches seen his expected batting average ranks sixth expected slugging ranks fifth and his expected WOBA ranks sixth. So in some respects his expected numbers are actually better than his actual numbers and uh, those actual numbers are spectacular 1063 OPS top 10 hitter in baseball. And uh out of a and uh, his average exit velocity um, has gone from 91.5 miles per hour before the span to 94.2 miles per hour in the span. and out of 173 hitters, Max Kepler's average exit velocity ranks fifth and his ground ball rate, has you know along with hitting the ball harder he is hitting the ball in more optimal places in the uh, in the launch angle spectrum his ground ball rate has gone from 40% to 31% uh, out of 179 hitters with 50 plus bedded balls in the span his ground ball rate is 19th lowest and his pop up rate has also decreased from 6% to 3% normally you know a guy with a low ground ball rate is going to you know increase his pop up rate a little bit but he's grounding balls at a, only a 31% rate, which is 14% below average and only popping up at a 3% rate, which is about 4% below average. It's it's less than half of the league average. Um, and that has bumped up his, you know, what, what you want to do, which is line drives and fly balls. His line drive rate has gone from 23% before the span to 38% in the span in these last 22 games out of 179 hitters. Max Kepler's line drive rate ranks second in baseball. Uh, Also, his sweet spot rate has gone from 34% to 48%. And out of 179 hitters, his sweet spot rate ranks sixth. Uh, Along with that, he is barreling up more balls, uh, a lot more uh, batted balls going for extra base hits. His barrel rate has gone from 11% before the span to 16% in this span. And out of 179 hitters, his barrel rate ranks 15th. And what he's doing best is hit is getting those hard hit line drives. He's hitting the ball hard, and he's also hitting them in the right places. His hard hit line drive rate has gone from twelve percent before the span to twenty eight percent in the span. And out of one hundred seventy nine hitters in the span, his hard hit line drive rate ranks second. So Max Kepler uh, has been uh, hitting the ball harder hitting the hitting way more line drives, 38% line drive rate, second best in baseball, uh, and just getting better results because of it. And he is getting a. How about that? Um, all right. So now we go, go from the highs to the lows where we're talking players with subjects that have been underperforming with our Friday, September 1st, 2023 edition of Slightly Alarming Statistics. He's been barreling up the ball way
1: less. He's not missing bats, he's not getting the ball on the ground, and people are hitting it in the air more.
0: It's been so bad. He is getting a... Slightly
1: alarming. Yeah, so for my slightly alarming, this might be an indirect talk of shame. I don't know if you put this guy or not, but it wouldn't surprise me if you did. Did you have Christian Javier as your Astros player to watch? I did not. You did not. Alright, so it's not an indirect talk of shame, but I am talking about Christian Javier uh, as my slightly alarming because... Uh, He's had a rough go of it over the last month, two months, really. Uh, Over his last 10 starts, Christian Javier has a 708 ERA and a 674 FIP in just 48 in the third innings pitched, which is not enough for him to qualify, even though he's made the appropriate number of starts to qualify. He simply just hasn't gone enough innings in his starts, uh, which, you know, it's bad when that's the case. Um, Among the 117 pitters with at least 40 innings pitched in this span, Christian Javier has the fifth worst ERA. And the highest FIP, uh, the worst FIP in all of baseball, his strikeout rate has gone from 22.9% before the span to 18.5% in this span. And his walk rate has gone from 7.1% before the span to 11.9% in this span, which means his strikeout minus walk rate has gone from 15.8% to just 6.6% now, which is among the worst in baseball, obviously. Um... Additionally, before the span, you know, of course, when you think of Christian Javier and his batted ball profile, you think of pop-ups. And naturally, his pop-up rate before the span was 13%. But in the span, it is down to only 9.2%, which is still, you know, I, I would say higher than the average. But Uh, when you're Christian Javier like only having a nine percent pop-up rate isn't going to do it for you because his fly ball rate in the span has gone from 35.9 percent to 42.5 percent the very highest of the 135 pitchers with at least 100 batted balls and you know if you're giving up fly balls at a 42.5 percent rate you're just going to give up a lot of home runs you know you might have a low home run to fly ball rate but you're still going to give up a lot of home runs and that's exactly what Christian Javier has done uh, additionally his barrel rate has has I'm sorry his barrel rate is 10.5 uh, percent in this span that is the seventh highest among the 74 hitters with at least 100 barrels al- 100 batted balls allowed so it's just been a really bad two months for Christian Javier um, you know we kind of expected him to be one of the leaders in the Astros rotation, you know, when Verlander had left. Obviously, he's back now, but you know, he really just hasn't cut it.
0: Uh yeah, Christian Javier. Slightly alarming. Um and uh great minds do think alike and I also went with Christian Javier. Um yeah, it's it's been uh it's been rough and yeah, I wasn't I didn't really quite pick up on it until I actually looked at the uh, mm-hmm. at the numbers in the last two months. And yeah, in his last eleven starts, he actually has a seven four six ERA and six eight nine FIP. And out of one hundred two pitchers with fifty plus innings pitched in that span in that eleven start span, his ERA and FIP are both the highest in baseball. And out of sixty-five pitchers with a thousand plus pitches thrown in the span, his expected slugging against is second highest, and expected woba against is the highest. Expected woba, by the way, it uh, perfectly correlates to expected ERA. Um, it, it's what makes the expected ERA statistic. So essentially, is the worst expected ERA uh, in baseball in his last eleven starts. Uh, as you mentioned, that strikeout rate has gone down from 24% before this 11 start span to 18% in the span. Also, that walk rate has gone from 6% to 13%, which has pulled his strikeout minus walk rate from 18% to um, from 18% to 5%. And out of 102 pitchers with 50 plus innings pitched in the span, Christian Javier's walk rate is the fourth highest, and the and his strikeout minus walk rate is the second lowest, uh, his called strike and whiff rate has gone from 28% before the span to 24% in the span. Also his chase rate has gone down probably, uh, you know, showing in that, uh, in that increase in walk rate, he's not really throwing it out of the zone that much more. It's just, uh, hitters are swinging less out of the zone. Uh, his chase rate has gone from 32% before the span to 26% in the span, Also, that batted batted ball profile has gotten worse. His sweet spot rate against has gone from 27% to 38%. And out of 96 pitchers with 150 plus batted balls against in this span, his sweet spot rate against is 15th highest. You also mentioned the fly ball rate going up. It's gone from 25% before these 11 starts to 41% in these 11 starts. Out of 96 pitchers, that fly ball rate is the highest. In baseball. And this has made his home runs per nine go from one point zero to two point one in this span. Uh out of hundred and two pitchers with 50 plus innings pitch, Christian Javier's home runs per nine allowed is the seventh highest. Uh and also, you know, Christian Javier's bread and butter was uh his forcing fastball uh before before the span in last year it was it was great, it was working great for him. It's what got all the pop-ups. Uh, he is throwing that four-seamer right now 57% of the time. It's it's his main pitch, but uh, hitters are slugging 591 with a 592 expected slugging against it. Uh, there are 23 other pitchers, or there's 23 pitchers in general to throw 500 plus four-seamers in this span. And I have to get up to look <laughs> at the statistic and he has the highest slugging and expected slugging uh, against that four-seamer. And this is a year after Hitters slugged 326 against that four seamer. Right now, in these 11 starts, they're slugging 591 against it, which is the worst out of pitchers that throw that four seamer that often. Um, so, yeah, Christian Javier, I was really, yeah, I was really high on him heading into the season. He ended last year amazing. He had like one run allowed in 32 innings to end the season or something like that. Had an amazing postseason, which was on display for everyone. Um, but, and so, I thought he was a great number two option, potentially a number one option uh, in that Astros rotation, but he is walking a lot more guys. He's striking out a lot less guys. He's allowing more fly balls, more home runs. And that four seamer, which was really effective last year, has proved to not really be effective this year, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, from both of us, he's getting a slightly
1: alarming. Yeah, Um, no doubt on that one.
0: Yeah, and, and and it sucks, especially going into the postseason. Like you hope he fixes fixes it up, uh, because he was crucial to that. Yeah, he was really crucial to that rotation last year. Um, and you know, sort of, I was I was campaigning for him to get that game three start over Lance McCullers, and I was kind of proven correctly, like he was way better than than McCullers yeah, throughout right. the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, that does it for players to highlight. Now we will get into a preview of the weekend ahead as uh as all that starts today and some of these series started yesterday but i will be getting into the series to watch daniel will be getting into the day-by-day pitching matchups um one of the series to watch has uh the game already started one of the games today already started uh it's a four gamer between the reds and cubs at great american ballpark featuring probably hunter renfro and harrison bader um, the new Reds acquisitions. Or actually, I can look at the lineups and see if they're in there. Yep, Renfro's in there. Uh, and Bader is leading off. Uh, he's 0 for 1 right now. Um, but the Reds and Cubs—they're facing each other. The Cubs are in the five seed in the National League playoff picture. The Reds currently are the Reds currently are a game and a half out of the playoffs. Um, and this could be really big for them. This could maybe take Cubs. Uh, down a peg and prop themselves up uh, or the cubs could kind of kick the reds out of the playoff race um, if they do well enough uh, along with that we have uh, rangers twins once again that was a good series last time rangers are fighting for the playoff lives it's kind of weird that the twins have more playoff security than the rangers right now yeah. um, considering records but that's baseball and uh, Phillies Brewers is a good matchup. Brewers are uh only three games up on the Cubs in the NL Central right now, so this is a big series for them. Uh, Phillies, you know, they know that they're not going to get the division, um, but you know, they're they're still you know trying to keep that wild card spot. They're they're comfortably in it though. Uh, also Orioles Diamondbacks, Diamondbacks are fighting for a playoff spot. That is a big test with the first place Orioles coming to town, but the premier series to watch, uh, we got a pleasure to see. Uh, the first game of it last night, but it is the Braves and the Dodgers. Uh, it is probably the NLCS preview. Um, although we've seen yeah. crazier things happen, but you know, odds are these have, this has the highest odds of being the NLCS also high odds that there is a world series winner in this, uh, in this particular series. So yeah, it and just great. There's great watch value. They both have things to play for Braves. want to keep that, uh, keep that one seed and potential home field advantage for when they do meet with the Dodgers, uh, in the NLCS, if they do end up doing that. So yeah, those are the series to watch. What do you got for the day by day pitching matchups?
1: Yeah. The Dodgers Braves games are must watch on all level. And it was a really good one last night. The Braves were up seven to one. They ended up winning eight to seven Dodgers made it yeah. close. But, uh, today slash tonight, uh, Graham Ashcraft is currently going for the, uh reds against the cubs at great american ballpark um jordan wicks who pitched very well his last time out is going for the cubs today it is happening as we're recording so you probably can't watch it after watching this but yuri perez will be going for the marlins tonight against the nationals in nats park kodai senga will be going for the mets against the mariners that is at city field tyler glasnow and cal quantra will be going in the uh 2023 wildcard rematch uh, you know, Cleveland versus Tampa. Um, Twins Rangers, you will have Joe Ryan versus Max Serger. Uh, that's going to be at Globe Life Field. Uh, James Paxton will be going for the Red Sox against the Royals in Kansas City. Eduardo Rodriguez will be going for the Tigers against the White Sox at Guaranteed Rate Field. Uh, Carlos Rodon versus Justin Verlander will be going on in Yankees Astros. That is going to be an interesting one tonight, uh, for the Astros, I guess. Um, you will have Mitch Keller going for the Pirates against the Cardinals. That is in St. Louis. Uh, Hyun Jin Ryu is going for the Blue Jays against the Rockies at Coors Field. Um, and you will also have Patrick Sandoval going for the Angels against the A's in the Coliseum. Tristan Beck, who pitched well his last time out, will be going for the Giants against Michael Walker and the Padres. That is at Petco. And you'll have Max Freed and Julio Urias in Braves Dodgers. And matchup of the night – comes from Phillies Brewers like Chris mentioned. It's going to be Zach Wheeler versus Freddie Peralta.
0: Yep. That is a that's a, that's a that's a good one. Lots of strikeouts in that one most likely.
1: Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh so then on Saturday, which is tomorrow, um there's not a game until four and none of the pitching matchups are really that intriguing. But uh later in the night you will have uh Andrew Abbott going for the Reds against the Cubs. Uh, Tanner Howe going for the Red Sox against the Royals. Um, You will have Luis Severino and Hunter Brown facing each other in Yankees Astros in Houston. Um, You will have Jordan Montgomery facing the Twins for the Rangers. It's going to be obviously in Rangers ballpark. Uh, Aaron Nola will be facing the Brewers for the Phillies. Kyle Bradish will be facing the Diamondbacks for the Orioles. He's been a dominant pitcher. Yusei Kikuchi will be facing the Rockies for the Blue Jays. Uh, and then Bryce Elder will be facing the Dodgers for the Braves. Dodgers have yet to announce their starter on Saturday, but matchup of the night comes from Giants and Padres. It's Kyle Harrison versus Blake Snell.
0: Yeah, Kyle Harrison had a had an amazing uh, home debut, uh, in which he struck out a bunch of batters. And Blake Snell, obviously a Cy Young candidate.
1: Yeah, I believe he struck out ten.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was very fun.
1: So then on Sunday, to finish out the the weekend, Jamison Tyone and Brandon Williamson will face each other in Cubs Reds. That is a 12-10 start. Um, Josiah Gray will be facing the Marlins for the Nationals. You will have Chris Sale facing the Royals for the Red Sox at Kauffman. Tarek Skubel and Michael Kopak will face each other in the Tigers and White Sox finale um uh, johan oviedo will be facing his former team in the cardinals for the pirates uh kenta maeda and john gray will face each other in twins rangers kevin Gosman will be facing the rockies for the blue jays um and then you will have jack flaherty and zach Gallen facing each other in uh orioles diamondbacks alex cobb who almost threw a no hitter in his last start will be facing the padres for the giants uh and then matt and then uh michael king and our slightly alarming christian Javier will face off on sunday night baseball in yankees astros and matchup of the night comes from dodgers braves or matchup of the afternoon it's going to be charlie morton versus bobby miller
0: yes indeed yes indeed of reno uh we will be seeing that with the braves dodgers yeah yeah that's just going to be a fun series all around. Um, all right. Well, that does it for this installment of Above Replacement Radio. We hope you enjoyed this one. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens, go to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the YouTube channel, look at all the features, look at the playlist, baseball history series, guest interviews, most recently with Red Sox beat reporter Chris Catillo, And before that, uh, one of the uh, one of the main guys at baseball, servant, Mike Petriella, where he previewed the uh, the new dashboard of Baseball Savant. So go check out those interviews on that YouTube channel uh, with all our fun features. Also check out uh, check out our social medias. Follow me on Twitter at ChrisunderScoregiant to follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Current and follow the show on Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. We hope you enjoy this one, and we hope to see you next time where we'll be talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball once again. See you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.